Well, sir, I am ready to go. All right, let's Let do it. me just open my audacity real quick. I'm gonna to get to see my levels. Okay, I want to get a Bud Light. All right. Appropriate to our podcast name, I have started making schmaltz. Yeah. Yeah. You know, are you familiar with what it actually is? Chicken fat. Yeah, it's chicken fat. Yes. And it is. Uh, it's delicious. It's great. Yeah. It's I just, good for uh, all kinds I used of to things. Just throw the chicken skin away, and then uh, what I did is I just chopped it up a bit and then froze it so that I can. It won't freeze solid. I can always break off a piece of it. And if I'm cooking beans or whatever, I just throw the skin in there, and then there you go. Out you the can fat, you can render it down too into like um like basically yeah, uh, and that'll freeze even better than the chicken skin. Well, well, maybe I'll do that next time. This I, I didn't have enough chicken skin. It was just like one of those big packs of chicken thighs. Oh, I got you. So I was just like. Maybe I can use this for something. Uh, a, a pretty good way to do it is you just have a bunch of it. Uh, you pour some water over it, and you just start it on low, and you just let it go. You basically let the water evaporate, and as it's cooking, it's It'll just pulling the... more and more. Yeah, yeah. I've rendered ducks for roasting before, so I'm familiar with the basic process. I just didn't have enough to actually make a full batch, but I probably will in the future because it tastes great. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those magical ingredients. Just like our podcast, magical. Yeah, yeah, magical. Uh, do you watch the Do you watch the Fablemans? The Fablemans? Yeah, Steven Steven Spielberg's most recent. No, it's pretty good. Is it in that old? Oh yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Oh, that's cool. It's that's it's a bit a, of a change a, for a Steven these piece. days. It's a it's a semi autobiographical period piece. Okay. Uh, about loving. To make movies, it's got uh, Judd Hirsch being a insane actor circusman who's telling him if you want to do art, you have to suffer. Oh yeah, I do remember seeing this and saying that I yeah I want to watch this. It was good. I enjoyed it. I recommend it. How old is Judd Hirsch these days? <laughs> One hundred and eighty. Oh, he's eighty-eight. Yeah, it's weird to think that he. I, I felt like he was much older in Independence Day. Well, Judd Hirsch has been 80 years old for, I think, his the entire past 30 life. years. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Even when he was on Taxi, which, how long ago was that? He, I, he still, you thought he was like 50. Yeah. It's funny, though. I mean, you could, you could, these Hollywood people can do amazing things, just like on the show we're talking about today. They look ancient in but, this, but they're not actually. Do the intro first. Yeah. All right. I'll read this one. Because I think you did it. Oh, I don't know. Beats me. Welcome. What about now? Welcome. Welcome. It's a little bit better. Welcome to Jurassic Park. (laughs) Uh, Welcome to episode 16 of 90s Schmaltz, where two 90s guys do a belly flop on the shows we grew up watching from after-school specials, TGIF, and Saturday morning cartoons. We talk about nostalgia, bad acting, and why these shows were radical. On this podcast, we take our media topic and briefly cover production, cast, and filming. Then we watch and talk about the top-rated and bottom-rated episodes of the series. Then we share some additional fun facts, maybe even talk about related merchandise and toys, before we rate the series out of 15. I'm Jeff. I'm Ned. And we are 90 Schmaltz. You can find us at www.90schmaltz.cool. And you can email us. I actually wasn't listening to what you did. Just said you said the website, right? 
Oh my god, yes. <laughs> I zoned out for a second. I'm so sorry. We have a script. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh you can also email us at ninety schmaltz at gmail dot com. <laughs> and please rate us. Uh and don't listen to what I just said. Uh, deeply unprofessional. Uh please rate us highly on uh, your podcast. Portal of choice. Anything new from last episode? God knows when the last episode was. Um we recorded Big Bird. Big Bird, yeah. yeah. Which will come out in uh, a week or so. Right. Or in the past if you're listening to this. Yep. <laughs> um, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna start that this weekend. Great. I've I've begun a little bit of Pirates of Dark Water, so I cool. don't anticipate I'll get that done before going on my Alaska cruise. That's my news, is I'm going to an Alaska cruise. Next yeah, Friday, have a nice time. flying to Seattle and then going on a boat. And I didn't plan most of it, so I don't know what's going to happen, which is how I like it. What uh, cruise line is that? Is that a princess? Princess, yeah. I did one of those way back in the day. I have not traditionally super enjoyed cruises, so hopefully this one will be a little bit better. My dad's all in on those right now. He took, He went on one with some friends and took my brother with him just yep. a couple weeks ago. And he's like, we got to do this again. We're in the process of figuring that out, and we might be going in the fall. Where are you going to go? Uh, it'll probably be like a up north to Canada or out to Bermuda, something oh, that's, that's only yeah. like four or five days. So you're not flying? You're driving? No, we don't want to fly. We just want to yeah. be able to drive to one of the local ports, yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's better. I'm I'm also not a enormous fan of the Caribbean. I like the Caribbean, but I'd rather, for the price and the value that I get out of it, I enjoyed going to all-inclusive resorts much more than uh, the cruise experience for me. Yeah, I'm not, I I don't really like just sitting on the boat. And yeah. people always talk, okay, you know, you get one or two days at sea or something and the rest you stop. But it just feels like everything's too timed out that way. Yeah. But I'd like to do the Ottawa one, especially if we're going to go in October or something like that so we can enjoy the fall. I had a class in high school for uh sql and there was the guy who sat next to me teddy was a interesting guy he really loved trains and he would either be looking up trains in the morning when we got there was our first class of the day and he'd either be looking up trains in the morning or he would be uh downloading pictures of car rims and he had a picture in ms paint of his own car and then he would cut out the rims and put them on his car to see how they looked Speaking about things that old people would like, mm -hmm. today's episode, we're talking about Golden Girls. Golden Girls, yeah. People, old people love rims on their cars. <laughs> and trains. And MS Paint. Golden Girls, a classic multi-camera television sitcom that aired on NBC from 1985 to 1992. The show first aired on September 14th, 1995, running for 177 episodes until May 1992. None of that is correct. Yeah, because you went back. Wow, they went back in time. Incredible. Yep. <laughs> the show first aired on September fourteenth, nineteen eighty-five, for one hundred and seventy-seven episodes until May 9th, nineteen ninety-two. Uh, Golden Girls follows the lives of four older women who share a house in Miami, Florida: Dorothy, Rose, Blanche, and Sophia. The women, all widows or divorced form a close-knit family as they navigate their way through the ups and downs of life together. The show was known for its sharp wit, heartfelt moments, and groundbreaking representation of older women on television. 
Golden Girls has since become a cultural icon with its memorable characters and iconic theme songs, still beloved by fans today. And like legitimately. People oh, love yeah. this thing. Uh, Rebecca told me I should talk to her friend about it because they're in love with it. And I was like, well, I'm not going to do that. I want to watch two episodes and come to a conclusion myself. <laughs> that's not my so that's not my format, talking to people who actually like it. Oh, I mean, if they're super fans, they can come on and tell us all about it. Yeah. Well, I'm going to do a Golden Girls Part Deuce. Yeah, in in like five years. Part Deuce. Part, <laughs> part Deuce. Uh, uh, <laughs> you know what? It's I, late I, enough in the night that I, I didn't just, catch it. <laughs> I, just, I just looked at the time. We're already 40 minutes in. <laughs> oh, we're so, God. Okay, let's we're get so down to it. Past. Let's yeah. get to it. Hey, uh, do you remember Golden Girls? Oh, man, I really do. I would go to my grandmother's and my great aunts. They lived together like golden girls. Mm. Um, the one never married and the other one, her husband died. But they would, Widows we and would spinsters. go to bed in the evening and they would always have the TV on and this was what was on television. So I'd be sitting there watching golden girls until I fall asleep practically every night because this show was on practically every night. <laughs> Yeah, I remember being on often, but it's one that I never watched. I think it was my parents never watched it, and I don't recall it ever being on at Grandma's house. So uh, I just never got really exposed to it, so I never... To kind of relate to the fall asleep with it, at my grandparent, my grandmother and great aunts, when we would stay over, it would go till you know, it would run, and we would fall asleep to it, and... Steph used this as a comfort show for a while to fall asleep to because she used to always sleep with the television on. Mm. I finally broke her of that. I can't sleep with any noise. Oh like man, that. I hated it. I, I would I come can't in late and turn off. Playing. That it's exactly it. And she's like, I can't even hear them talk. And I'm like, I can hear them talk vividly. Yeah. Because I'm I paying don't... attention. I want to know what happens <laughs> next. <laughs> I got her like a little stand for her phone, like it's an arm, like for the mic. We would have a mic arm, but it, it just clips in the phone, and she plays things in it, but usually she just clicks a button and falls asleep these days. Yeah, that's good. That's what you want. But I remember this from so many. I mean, I just from watching this. I, I to, always It's always been an option. It's just one I never picked. So it's the first time I've watched these in a while, uh, except I guess if, you know, when Steph would watch it, I would kind of half listen. But um, I could remember... You know, you know Betty White. Yeah. But I could remember Estelle Getty. And then I couldn't remember the other two until I started doing the research again, which is not fair. I mean, B. Arthur and uh, Rue. Uh, I, uh, Estelle, she's so good in this. Yeah. Sophia is probably my favorite character. Uh, she's the funniest. She's 100% the, the funniest. Uh, she's the comic relief, I think, for sure. And they give I mean, her, they do. They all quip. Agency. Than say like a, a Waldo Faldo from Family Matters, but she is, she's there to make the jokes. I just they're they fit my humor so well. They're just so mean to each other. It's great. I thought that yeah, <laughs> that's in my notes. That's <laughs> <laughs> like hanging out with Jeff. Well, no VHS for this one, which I'm surprised that it never came out on VHS. I'm surprised, and I guess I wonder if what we're seeing, what seems to be the case, is that I think things aimed at an older audience didn't really get VHS releases unless they had like a fandom like Star Trek. Otherwise it seems to be like kids programs. Oh, interesting. That are getting the VHS release and they're kind of just 
it's not a comprehensive release. It's just a here you go. And Voyager was that... weird in that one because, but it, that was a Columbia House thing, so it was definitely an enthusiast product. I guess that yeah, that generation probably would just sit and watch the television, right? They would just turn it you on. You get movies, and into... if you wanted to watch TV, you would record it. Yeah. Why would you sell something that's available for free? And this thing ran in syndication for so long. Yes, this was a this was a very available show. What else could you be watching? All right, so we've got a nine o'clock Saturday time slot for this is March nineteen March ninth, nineteen ninety one. So this is towards the end. I think they were always at nine if in uh, although at some point maybe they moved to eight as the first run time slot you have season seven running at eight o'clock oh were they yeah that's okay. in your notes <laughs> yes thank you that, that that came from somewhere uh that's good i'm glad i found that uh we've got mostly movies la bamba beverly hills cop an episode of cops Okay, so is is this the oldest show we're, we've done? I'm wondering. Mm, hold on. This is the oldest thing we've done so far. That that tracks cuz I'm I'm looking at this and I'm I'm thinking, "Oh, it's by uh, one year by the way cuz Double Dare came out okay. in 1986." <laughs> but with Double Dare we weren't looking at primetime. So I'm I'm surprised to see a Saturday primetime that looks this bad, but that's just the way primetime was. Yeah, this is uh, kind of dreary. <laughs> it's pretty rough. Yeah, so we've got uh, an episode of Cops, which is on Fox. Fox is advising viewer discretion, is what uh, the TV guide tells us about Cops. Uh, Beverly Hills Cop, Doctor Who. That's going to be an ancient British Doctor Who. It is. Right, yes. so that's, that's definitely like not a mainstream channel showing that. Um, it isn't what it is today. Get Smart on Nickelodeon, part of Nick at Night. Uh, the movie channel showing House Party. Another movie, The Bandwagon. Fred Astaire. Two's Company on Channel 31, uh, a Grateful Dead movie, uh, the Wolfman movie on AMC. Two's Company. Uh, I don't know what 31 is. This is a New York. A Yakov Smirnoff. This is a difficult one. This is the only TV guide that had Golden Girls in it. For whatever reason, the Internet Archive does not have anything else in this time That's period. That's crazy. This is an old piece of paper. Yeah. <laughs> it came from a smoker's house, I think. That's what it looks like for yeah. sure. <laughs> but Yakov Smirnov, man, the comic his Moscow to Moscow world tour. Yeah. Taped at Moscow, Idaho. Dragnet ER. Yeah. Mets inside pitch. That's not the right ER. That what is that? It says it's a comedy, but I I don't know. But I also saw I ICW wrestling in the time slot before before Golden Girls, which is International Championship Wrestling from 1978 to 1984, run hmm. by the father of Randy Savage. This was produced by Wit Thomas Harris Productions and Touchstone Television. Wit Thomas Harris made a lot of shows, and there's some interesting stuff in here that I think I'd like to get back to. But they made they had several successes: Soap, Benson, Blossom, Herman's Head, and The Beauty and the Beast with Ron Perlman. Yeah, we've talked Hamilton. about it. We're going to cover that. Yeah. And Golden Girls, Golden Girls was their first co-production with Touchstone, and. They would go on to make several other shows with Touchstone afterwards, Brotherly Love, and some other things. And then they also made some movies, including Dead Poet Society and the movie Three Kings, the Iraq movie with George Clooney. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. And uh, the one I'm interested in most of all is, it's called Whoops. It's a 1992, just failure, 
six episodes, three of them never aired, uh, post-apocalyptic sitcom. Oh, I wonder if we could find it. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, I put it on our list. They also made a show called The Office, but not that office. A different office. <laughs> it's 1995's The Office. So I put that on our list, too. The 1995 The Office, an office comedy version of the British series Upstairs, Downstairs, centering on the camaraderie of executives and their secretaries of a busy corporate office at a design packaging company. But So I, I saw The Office and I said, that doesn't seem right. Paul Younger Witt began producing in the late 1960s. He worked on The Partridge Family and a few other things. And first worked with Tony Thomas making the TV movie Brian's Song. It's a semi-true or based on a true story or true story one of the three uh, about a pro football guy who's sick and he's a color barrier breaking did you not watch that in high school no did you have to watch it yes oh, okay i watched lorenzo's oil i feel like they do make you watch like eight tv movies in yes. high school for some reason <laughs> um Flowers that... for Algernon, the movie. <laughs> yeah, they're all Brian's song. They're all super sad uh, <laughs> and uh, not very exciting. Kids these days probably just go watch ne- made for Netflix movies. Yeah, they don't. Probably. They don't know the joy of a TV movie. They probably don't have to to answer some worksheet while they're watching it either. <laughs> but after that, they went on to make several movies, and out of that came the Wit Thomas Company in 1975. They made Soap and Benson. Uh, two TV series, and Susan Harris was the creator and executive producer for Soap and Benson, and eventually married Paul Witt. And then for every production that she was involved with after that, uh, the name was modified to Witt Thomas Harris. Interesting. I'm I'm somewhat misremembering. So okay, so her she had a good career. She did a bunch of good stuff. But uh, after this, after the Golden Girls, she did Empty Nest, Nurses, spin-off. which is a spinoff of Empty Nest, and The Golden Palace. And then two other small series. Uh, but so it's pretty much just the Golden Girls gravy train for her after this. Not a bad train. Uh, if you can make one good sitcom, that's a good result. And she made three. And then we'll talk more about Empty Nest and Nurses. But those are all shows that went for at near 100 or over 100 episodes. Yeah, the Empty Nest and Golden Girls. But Nurses was only like 60-something. Yeah. And Golden Palace only got the one That's still season, success. but they got the full season, which was is what twenty three or twenty four. Touchstone Television was Disney's TV arm in the eighties and nineties. It was a spinoff of Touchstone Films, which was Disney's movie label that they created so they could show things that they didn't want the Disney label on. Uh, and then eventually, they would spin off an additional company called Hollywood Pictures, which showed the rougher stuff. That's uh, interesting because I didn't know Touchstone was part of. Disney. Oh yeah, and that's where Katz, Jeffrey Katzenberg and Michael Eisner got their start. Like they were Touchstone guys, and then they moved into running the main parts of Disney. Oh neat, yeah. And Touchstone Television made tons of shows, like dozens of sitcoms. Yeah, many of them failures. <laughs> but I you always remember back in the early '90s, mid '90s, you would see that Touchstone at the mm-hmm. end of the the televisions. Yeah, but. Uh, List of a couple is Home Improvement, Boy Meets World, Ellen, Homeboys in Outer Space, and Teen Angel. Homeboys in Outer Space. Oh, man. I've told you about Homeboys in Outer Space. I know I've talked about it. And then Teen Angel we've talked about as well. We have, yeah. Yeah. If you were watching TV in the 90s, go look at the list of Touchdown Television productions. And there will be things on there that you didn't know you remembered. 
until you read about him again. Yeah, I I I can believe that. I can picture the touchstone with the the star or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. Their business model was essentially to work with someone like Wit Thomas Harris Productions or uh, Michael Jacobs Productions. They would there was someone else that would do the lion's share of the work, and they were just kind of the money distribution people. They weren't yeah. doing a lot of the production work. Not a bad racket, I guess. Yeah. Uh, good for the production company, too, because I'm sure it's, you focus on your core competencies, right? The series was created by Susan Harris. Mm-hmm. Music by Andrew Gold. He did the theme music. Uh, he's also done music for Waterboy, Boogie Nights, Saturday Night Live. He showed up on, apparently, as an actor. Wow. Uncredited. Just wanted to throw that in there. He made spooky, scary skeletons. You know the song? Yep. Yeah, good for him. That is cool. It's a good song. Spooky, scary skeletons and shivers down your spine. Shrieking skulls will shock your soul. Seal your doom tonight. Thank you for being a friend. Never let her slip away. My heart and soul. Stand tall. The troubled man. Gotta believe in pumpkins. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta believe in pumpkins. Is that a song? Yeah, from the Chipmunks Celebration. Okay. Uh, Bridge to Your Heart, Who Needs Love. He's written some songs that you definitely have known, and uh, we'll make every attempt to pump some of it in here without getting some sort of flag. Wikipedia has an incredibly extensive list of Andrew Gold songs and covers probably way more than Wikipedia's policies should allow. But (laughs) it's funny because I look at the list of covers, and it's... Nearly all, uh, there's some lonely boy up until like 2007, and it's just thank you for being a friend over yep. and over and over again, all over through the 2000s. And and so you get to 2020, and then it's spooky, scary skeletons all the way down. Good for him, yeah. He's not seeing much of a paycheck anymore, though, since he passed away in 2011. Well, someone is Scott Gale is the music coordinator and music supervisor for the majority of these episodes. Mm-hmm. And fun fact on him is he appears as an Elvis when Sophia oh, gets yeah. married. Okay, we'll, we'll uh, talk about that later. I want to keep that fun we fact We will. For the yes, end. we're going to. <laughs> uh, for the main cast, Dorothy Zabnak, Zorbnak. That's quite a name. I'm going to find out the pronunciation. Hold on. Dorothy Bornick. Bornick. That's what it is. I mean, I can do Blanche Devereaux, Rose uh, Nyland. <laughs> And Sophia Petrillo. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going to post it in the in the Discord. Okay. Um, <laughs> I love that there are just incorrect pronunciation videos on the internet these days. <laughs> How to pronounce... Dorothy Z. Bornack. Yeah, so Dorothy Bornack. Uh, for the main cast, Dorothy Bornack, played by B. B. Arthur. Mm-hmm. I think probably just as well known from Maud, yeah. which is a spinoff from All in the Family. She's literally the opposite of Archie. Yeah, and I think that's where she, why she got this gig, is from that. I read that she was not did not want to be considered from the studio execs they wow. did not want her susan wanted her because she felt that she was the best choice the studio execs 
thought that she was too liberal. Well, what do they know? They It would cause maybe some people not to watch, I guess. Well, that didn't seem to happen. No, it did not. Yeah. And she appeared on the Star Wars Holiday Special as Akmina. Great. Which character is that? Oh, there we go. Yeah. Okay, look at that. That's her. Yep. Yep. That's a golden girl. A species human. Mm-hmm. That tracks. She worked as a bartender uh, in the Space Park Cantina on Tatooine or whatever where they filmed the thing. I don't think I've watched that thing recently. That's uh... I don't remember anything about it because I watched it probably when I was, you know, What's that? a it's child. A garbage variety show, right? <laughs> Basically, yeah. Yeah. It's a fascinating relic of its time. <laughs> Just one more round, friend. Then homeward bound, friend. Don't forget me in your dreams. Rose uh, Nyland, played by Betty White. Um, the Betty White. It's Betty freaking White. Who? I've never um, heard of her. <laughs> she started early in her career in the 50s. Uh, she had life with Elizabeth. She was on the Mary Tyler Moore show. The Betty White show. Mama's Family. Ladies Man from 99. Is that the SNL Ladies Man? Mm, it was starring Alfred Molina. Okay, so not the not the Tim Meadows. No. Okay. And then most recently, Hot in Cleveland, but it's Betty White. I mean, she was, I think, I mean, she just passed right before she was going to be 100 years old. But yep. she had something like an 80-year career. She was one of the longest-serving performers. It's ridiculous. And we all know her. You know what she looks like. You know what she sounds like. She was one heck of a lady. Yeah, she was fun. Blanche Devereaux, played by Rue McClanahan. Um, she started on the stage, but she also appeared in Maud, Mama's Family, playing some roles with Betty White, actually. The three of them, Rue, Betty, and B, all, they crossed paths over time. And I will say, for this show, Betty was supposed to play Blanche, and Rue was supposed to play Rose, but they felt, I guess... From some of the reading that I did that uh, Betty had played that type of character that Blanche is in mm. Barry Tyler Moore. So they wanted to change that up so that they weren't being like typecast. typecast yeah. And I mean, I think Betty had said many years later that um, Rue had done things with Blanche that she never, ever would have done anyway. Yeah. And then Sophia Petrillo played by Estelle Giddy. This woman had five decades of stage work and did not become TV famous until the ripe old age of 62. And she was 10 months younger than B. Arthur. So when she uh, had to, she auditioned for the part, I guess she did it twice, once as herself, and then she came back in and um, doctored herself up to look older. Old face. She did her old, her own old lady makeup, which apparently she would spend varying amounts of time in the chair when they actually had to make her look old, mm-hmm. uh, which increased after season two because she got a facelift. Uh, that's funny. She then appeared on Golden Palace, which is Golden Girls spinoff. Nurses, yep. again, essentially a Golden Girls spinoff. Empty Nest, the yep. same thing. Blossom um, and the Earth Day special. And she is Sophia Petrillo in all of those shows. That's funny. The weird. Uh, <laughs> we're getting a weird cross-pollination. Um, general honorable mention. Herb Edelman, um, these are ones that had showed up in more than just one or two episodes. Because it's funny, uh, B. Arthur, Betty White, Rue, uh, and Estelle, they're all in 177 episodes. 
And then the next person who has a large sum of episodes is Herb Edelman, and he's in 26 episodes. Good for him. <laughs> then Harold uh, Gould, uh, 13 episodes. Sid Melton, who plays in flashbacks as Salvador, Sophia's husband, eight episodes. And then I did see in there, it's Ellen Albertini Dow, which is rapping grandma from Adam Sandler's Wedding Singer. And cool. she's our Star Trek um, appearance that I could find from the top cast on IMDb. And she appears on one episode of Star Trek, The Next Generation. And then beyond that, just people who showed up on like maybe one episode um, are a bunch of bigger names that you might know. People like Mickey Rooney, Rita Marino, Jenny Orbeck. Debbie Reynolds, Bob Hope, Alex Trebek, Burt Reynolds, Julio Iglesias, Sonny Bono, George Clooney, Quentin Tarantino. Who's on more than one? No, those are all just people who just showed up, like okay. maybe as themselves or just as a yeah, one-off. Yeah. I'll talk about the Alex Trebek and the Quentin Tarantino, don't you worry. Perfect. I can't wait for fun facts. Hey, you do awards because I talk too much. All right. So, I mean, there's many, too many. I'm honestly not going to go through them. Because there's yeah, just read that first part. 46 wins and 88 nominations. 68 nominations at the Emmys. So, uh, good for them. 11 winners. Each yeah. of the ladies won once. Good for them. <laughs> they all deserved it. Let's get to the episodes. How do we pick the episodes, Jeff? Highest to lowest. We use episoderatings.com, except not this time. We did. I just edited it. Uh, <laughs> I noticed suspicious activity. I'm, the lowest here was very clear and yes. understandably, and we'll get into that. But the highest rated episodes were, again, the finale. My suspicion when I was looking through episode rating.com graphs, a lot of shows, and I'll, I'll go to the, let me go to the message I was sending Jeff. I was just clipping every single one that had a suspicious uptick on the last episode. There were a lot. Uh, Friends, The Office, Futurama, The Big Bang Theory, The Nanny, Malcolm in the Middle, Modern Family. All of them have just uh, an immediate just uptick, the very last data point on their big, long, wiggly graph. Everything has a big uptick at the end. And I found a website that had uh, a little bit more detailed data. It had graphs of the number of votes per episode. Oh, neat. Because I sent that to you. I don't know if you clicked on it. I did not. It's the amp.ratinggraph.com. Okay, I'll and look at that. So, and so what you see, it's the second graph, and you just see how the first episode has by far the most votes. Uh, the episode that has the next most votes, the worst episode of the series. Uh, and then oh, they wow. have, it's just a downward trend as you get into the seasons, except for an episode uh, from season seven that was also generally very well regarded, and then the last episode just an extremely outlier number of votes compared to the two season seven episodes that have a lot of votes have more votes than uh, there are only five episodes that have more individual votes than those two episodes. This so is cool. I think there's something going on where either you're voting, you click through and you either vote by accident. You don't realize you're voting on the episode. You're voting on the show perhaps. And it's taking yeah. you to the last episode or the first episode. And that's just what you're, what you're hitting. So I think I want to use rating graph in the future. But with Golden Girls, we're in the situation where we can just find endless articles telling us the list of the 20 best or the five best Golden Girl <laughs> episodes. And so I found one of the ones that showed up in the top two 
the other one that was isn't it romantic season two episode five that we didn't watch is also a well-regarded one and reading about that it sounded i mean i can't believe that's from 1986 because it's got a sympathetic uh lesbian subplot i will say that maybe we should have gone with that because we did technically pick episodes that are literally back to back the last episode yeah, of season is, two and the first episode you know of season three. You know what? That's just, hey, that's how the numbers ran out, man. It is. It's the truth. And that's all that matters. We, we, use, we use our data sets. But we, we, after cutting out the last episode, we were left with five episodes that had the same strong rating. And we picked, I picked the one that I found on a couple different lists. Because yeah, picking one out of five is difficult. I'm glad you picked it. Uh, and so that's what we did. And so we'll be, I'll, I'll give you more details on the methodology going forward. But rest assured that we are only doing the finest of science here <laughs> in picking two episodes randomly. I'll always tell you when we cut something out. Um, I thought about cutting out the backdoor pilot, but it's interesting enough to talk about. So I, I'd like to. Yeah, no, it's more. definitely interesting to talk about because it just expands into just so much. Tell me about our worst episode. Worst episode, season two, episode 26, Empty Nests, rated 6.5. Directed by Jay Sandrick, prolific sitcom director. Mm -hmm. uh, he directed 100 episodes of Cosby Show and 119 of Mary, Mary Tyler Moore Show. Yeah, the TV Hall of Fame. He did a bunch of other things as well, but those are the most substantial blocks. This episode written by Susan Harris. And we've already talked about Susan Harris, our creator. Yep. And the synopsis for the episode, Empty Nests introduces us to Dr. George Corliss, played by Paul Dooley, and Renee Corliss, Rita Marino, who are the neighbors of our golden girls. The Corlisses work through some uh, marital problems uh -huh. while our ladies next door need to get their dis dishwasher fixed. Do they ever get it fixed? Oh, yes, yes, okay. Yeah, we'll get to that. I do well, we don't know if it technically got fixed, but yeah. they we play it them. out that it did. Yeah. So this is a backdoor pilot. Uh, and if you aren't familiar with that term, this is where a show will have essentially just a completely unrelated episode and cast written that vaguely involves the main cast of your show. And then you just follow that cast on what is essentially the pilot for something that they want to spin off into right. its own show. And they basically use it as a test. And to give a modern example of something that probably a million people have heard of from The Office, if anybody remembers when Dwight's brother and sister visit be because of the funeral, that is a backdoor pilot. Oh, yeah. I, had, I did not know that. They're still doing it, huh? Oh, God. They do it all the time. Yeah. It's, it's less obnoxious now. They know that people are wary of it. Because this is a bad example of it. <laughs> yes. I have some things to say at the end for that. And you'll recall that uh, when we talked about Diagnosis Murder, that Diagnosis Murder started as a backdoor pilot in the show Jake and the Fat Man. Yep. And again, that was one where uh, if you had tuned in to watch Jake and the Fat Man, we got, I think, three minutes out of the hour with Jake and the Fat Man. And then the rest, and all was, the rest was unrelated. Dick Van Dyke. Yep. Yeah. And so this one was better in that regard uh, until it wasn't. And I think it is better because, I, as I said, like uh, Estelle Getty comes back all the time in these spinoffs yeah. as herself because they just stop by. It's just kind of like one of those things. They're neighbors. It's all integral. They all live in the same neighborhood in Miami in the 80s and early 90s. Right. When it was a family town. 
the Golden Girls are sitting in the kitchen with all the dishes piled up behind them because yep. the dishwasher is broken. And uh, I appreciated Betty White's weird. Well, I love di- family dishwashing time. We'd all well, get I like together. that. <laughs> I feel like we're going to do this a lot for these two episodes just yeah. because of the way the jokes build. But like, yeah. um, Dorothy says, you know, Blanche, we could just wash them. Yeah. And then Rose goes into this whole tangent of being happy mm-hmm. and how they used to wash the dishes together, like you say. And then Sophia's like, I, I don't know how much longer I can take this yeah. of how positive she is. Uh-huh. And I think that ends out with, you know, we used in Sicily, we washed the dishes in the river. We used to bang them on the rocks. Uh-huh. And Blanche goes to Sophia and says, no, 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 you did that with the laundry. Uh-huh. You bang the, the clothes on the rocks. Um, and then Sophia goes, is that why we always broke the dishes? And that's where the joke ends. Uh-huh. They, they, they like tie these out into these long winding jokes where they're basically just insulting each other and and so i think yeah it's it's all repartee and uh and you can't tell if one of them's even being funny no sometimes you can't tell if they're just stupid (laughs) there there are reaction shots where you can tell they know they're making fun of each other they they really uh they they get they get down on blanche today yeah there's one in this episode Uh (laughs) but i think betty white's personal brand was much better off for her having played the positive, naive character yes. in this versus yes. Blanche. Because I think there's a lot of people that when she showed back up later, you know, more recently and uh, was raunchy and edgy, uh, it was surprising because their most familiar touchstone was her being a sweet little old lady. Which I think is hilarious because she had always been raunchy and edgy apparently what a good decision for her and she's good at it oh she's very good at it but it's funny to watch it now because you're like you know it's like watching uh once you know that bob saget is a shock comedian and then you go back and you watch uh (laughs) old episodes of america's funniest home videos and he's just doing squirrel voices then the early 90s man i don't know it was a weird time they'd hire shock comics to be family-friendly entertainers and it worked yeah um, after they after they do the dish scene, what Renee shows up. This is when we get to meet our first. Yeah, she just walks character. in, and uh, I don't know who anyone is in this universe, but no one knows who this is because she's a new character. <laughs> she just walks in. She's our neighbor, and says, "Who's go? Are we going shopping or going to dinner? What? Are, where are we going? Let's go. Let's leave the house because she's sad because she's empty nest because yep. her daughter and they, left for college. It's a it's a weird." entry into this because they beat around the bush until yeah. Dorothy just starts like pestering her like you have to talk to your husband yeah. you have to talk to him you have to tell him you're miserable yes and they she, I do like that that stupid thing they do where she's talking about how lonely and she's not sleeping or whatever and last night she called into the radio station yeah. and solved the middle east problem green give greenland to the palestinians but Rose is like, that was such a great idea. And Dorothy's just like, so the stupid. fuck is wrong with the two of yeah. you? Uh, it's such a, oh my God, it's so, it's funny. It's funny that they're, they're both excited about it. Just give them some warm clothes. No one's which, using it. Which then somehow devolves into the, um, they're talking about the doctor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, Rose says she doesn't want to find a new doctor. He's like the only person other than her husband who's seen her naked. Yeah. And then Blanche is like, Come on, honey. So she names one more person. The vet. Blanche says, come on, honey. Yeah. And then she says, oh, yeah, the vet. 
And then they're like, what do you mean the vet saw you good, naked? That's a good weird story. You should just play that joke because it's... I couldn't possibly go to another doctor. You see? George is the only man to ever see me naked. <laughs> Get out of here. Well, except for Charlie, of course. Get out of here. And the vet. The vet. That's the, and that's why. So, like the first half of this, when it had them in it, and was had decent jokes. I'm like, I don't see why this is the worst episode of the series. Yes. And then we go over to their house where we just see Renee and Doctor George Corliss talk for a little bit. I we that we go in and he called a patient who's 300 pounds to admonish him. I remember the call from like the 97 year old man who told him he went pee. Oh yeah, that that was good. And she's trying to engage him seriously in the conversation she's trying to have. And he says, well, I think I'd be, I'd be happy to be peeing at that age. <laughs> Catheters are no fun. Me too. The, the subplot of this husband and wife wouldn't be so bad if they didn't keep bringing in these additional characters. Yes. Because the one guy walks in and you're like, okay, who's this guy? Who is this man? Uh, yeah. And then it's a strange exchange. That the first one's the brother. They're just trying to make it clear to you that this man has multiple personalities. <laughs> yes. It's it, and then it is it is the doctor's brother, who has three different uh, personalities. Personality dissociative identity disorder. He has three personalities, one of which is Mister Fixit, who is the guy that they are waiting to fix their dishwasher. Yes, Next which door. didn't make sense in the beginning of the episode, yes. but now it does make sense. And so then, then our friends, the Golden Girls, show up to uh, to visit. They just drop in unannounced, hoping to find Mister Fixit. Yeah, but he's upstairs as a different person who's playing with a dog that doesn't exist. So that's yes. fun. It's it's I guess I don't. It's played very awkwardly, and I think it's a pretty crummy joke. Oh yeah, I agree. Uh, and I thought I thought, boy, that's a bad kind of gag character. The, yeah. The and then but they get a worse one later. They do. <laughs> they sure do. I'm glad you agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> so the so the the girls come over. They make a couple jokes where they uh, slut shame Blanche over and over again. They they do that when the the daughter yes, comes the daughter back. comes home. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we can skip all that, but um, I quit school. Columbia. She quit Columbia. Yeah, and then the because her boyfriend hooked up with someone hotter. And I wrote the entire exchange out because great. it was fantastic. She she has a right to make the face that they they stay on for twenty seconds. <laughs> that exchange because it all ends when uh, I think Dorothy says something about her being twice the size she used to be. And then Dorothy kind of looks at her, and then they cut to Blanche. And it is, I, I think it's six seconds long. It's a long reaction shot. Where they, she's just, like, giving Dorothy a dirty look back, yeah. And then the brother comes back downstairs, and now he's Mr. Fix-It. And then he goes off with the girls to fix the dishwasher. Yeah. And then that's the last we see of any of those characters for the rest of this episode. We're only halfway through. And so now we're stuck... <laughs> We're stuck with the husband and wife and the daughter. They convince the daughter to go back to school. The wife takes her back to school, but is up in New York for what, like six days or something yeah, like that. But first, and the, 
first we get oh, Oliver. Yeah, we have to get Oliver. We do we have get to get Oliver. Uh, Oliver. Which is by... funny too because Deja, David Leisure, who plays Oliver, is the only person I believe. I had a note who, about that. He made who he, returns. He's the only one who made it to the actual empty nest show, which will I, yes. I'd, like, I'd like to discuss <laughs> that whole thing a little bit later. We can do it at the end, yeah. But God, he sucks. He just mm-hmm. he just comes in. He's just like this, like leather jacket, and he's just like, "I slept with the flight attendants from Lufthansa last night." <laughs> like, he's just being a like a dirty, gross weirdo. Uh, yeah, and there's like not even any real joke there. And I was just like, oh, "I I hate this character." He only so had there is one much. section where he has an actual joke yeah. because the doctor talks about right. He's lonely, so he's going to go get his wife back. Uh-huh. So he leaves, but he's talking to Oliver about being lonely. And then Oliver wants, you know, it, it's starting to rub off on him. He's feeling lonely. Yes. Dorothy comes in to invite the doctor to dinner. Mm-hmm. Well, Oliver's trying to, like, sweet talk Dorothy, and Dorothy is trash talking him the whole time yeah. because he's a terrible, shitty person who peed in their linen closet. And then as soon as the doctor leaves, Dorothy's gone too. Um, Oliver calls his mother. And they play that joke that happened with Dorothy with his mother on the phone. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. That was four months ago. Yeah. Their commitment to like the way that these jokes play out, these writers. Yeah. I mean, I'm giving them credit even in this episode. Like this stuff is good. So Oliver's the only one who makes it to Empty Nest. But then he also makes it back to Golden Girls. Uh, as a as, different character? As the character from Empty Nest that he becomes, who's not named Oliver. He is named... I didn't get that deep. Charlie Dietz. That's wild. And so he shows back up in the season seven episode that's the Jeopardy episode. Oh, neat. That Alex Trebek is on. While he's looking that up, um, the doctor gets to his wife, and they basically come to an understanding in New York. The doctor proclaims his love for his wife, He's going to move his office home so they can spend more time together. Um, they make a coma joke because they never went on their honeymoon. And right. um, the wife basically says, you know, the the 15 minutes or whatever next to what's his name in a coma yeah. uh, doesn't count as a honeymoon. And that the doctor's like, that guy wasn't in a coma. Yeah. And then they just laugh real quick. And then the lights cut dim and they have sexy time. And then they tell each other they love each other and it's over. And then when this show becomes a real show... The doctor is a widower. That's this is, that's funny because this this is going to be our second pilot murder, right? Because uh, Hello Miss Bliss. Oh, that's right. Had the <laughs> same thing where where she was in the pilot married to someone, and then she shows up, you know, uh, after losing her husband uh, in season one, episode one. I wonder how common that is. No, no, no. Uh, di- diagno- diagnosis murder. He 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 said in the pilot he didn't have kids, and then they gave him kids, but he didn't. The wife was already dead. I think. I think. No, maybe the wife died. Maybe diagnosed started the same way. I that that was so long ago that I don't remember. Yeah. No, I think it might be. I'm I'm not going to look <laughs> it up. I'm just going to this is my so in between between pilots and the actual show, they always they always kill someone. Yeah, they really do always kill somebody. Yeah. Like somebody just has to die in the exchange. They and don't know they, how if else they to were just write already people dead, out. We wouldn't feel bad about it, but now we have a face to put with that urn. Which I think is weird because even in this, right? I, as I would keep trying to say, Paul Dooley doesn't come back. We get Richard Mulligan. Yeah, they just literally write guy. people away yeah. to new things. And it's not even the same doctor. This one is Dr. Harry Weston in yep. the actual show. And in our episode here, um, it's Dr. George Corliss. 
So maybe it's the neighbor on the other side. I mean, they're in a ritzy place. Yeah. So they got two doctors. But Charlie Deitch shows back up, but only in a dream where he's playing Jeopardy with uh, against against Rose and Dorothy. That's wild. It's season seven, episode sixteen, questions and answers, which, having watched it a little bit, it's not great, but it is very interesting to see first uh, Alex Trebek doing a deadpan straight man. I, I think Alex Trebek used to not be as funny, or used to not be as like knowingly funny. No, he just was his person, and then eventually he embraced himself. I think classic Trebek was was very was very deadpan, and then like later on he started kind of like laughing along with it a little bit, or kind of like smirking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then so and so he always knew, but like it, so it's fun to see. First of all, it's old Trebek, it's old Jeopardy. <laughs> And so it's fun to see the old one with the old digital readouts, the old, I don't know. And so they, they, brought, they brought that guy back just for that episode. So weird. <sighs> I, I do want to say that my very last note on this episode, bad Golden Girls episode. Yes. But not the worst pilot I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, yeah. But it's, uh, on the other hand, they changed everything. So maybe it is a bad pilot. Yeah, maybe it is. Didn't test well. I will say that I, I I think David Leisure is doing good at a bad role. I think so too. Because he's I think he is very charismatic and he's got a real gravelly voice and he's hamming. I think that's proven in that second interaction when he does the joke with yeah. the B. And when he shows the, up, I'm just like, mom. oh my god, who is this? I want him to to be shot yes. out of the cannon. <laughs> at first I want him gone. Part- and I kind of want to say, I mean, it's a bad Golden Girls episode because they're not in it for very long. But yep. when they're in it, like those jokes were just so good. But that's exactly you can understand why this would be a lowest rated episode, because you sit down it's Saturday night, it's nine o'clock and you're like, oh, boy, it's time. Time for my favorite show. And then uh, the characters you love are all out of the show halfway through. And yep. now you're watching someone you don't care about. And you're like, I could have watched anything because this yeah. is something different. I should have watched cops tonight. Yeah. So your discretion advised. <laughs> we mentioned a couple of things, but the Empty Nest had uh, its own spinoff called Nurses, and all these shows cross pollinate. Their yes. characters show up. The characters from Golden Girls show up in those shows. Their show, their characters show up in some Golden Girls or in some Golden Palace. The only person who I think doesn't show back up in those is uh, B. Arthur, she, and she only shows up in one episode of Golden Palace. I don't know if that's because it, that's why they ended the show and tried to continue it as a different show is because maybe she was done. She was done. She wanted to go out on top. She didn't want the show to stay on long enough that they were losing steam. That's good. And they were kind of like, people were done with you. Which is fair. I I mean, 177 episodes. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, once you hit the syndication uh, number, don't milk it. No. Just be done with it. <laughs> Alright, what's our next episode? Uh, Your turn. Oh yeah, did you do the last... God, I already forget. Season oh, 3, God. Episode 1, Old Friends, rated 8.2 on EpisodeRatings.com. Directed by Terry Hughes. Uh, he directed 100 episodes of Third Rock from the Sun. Oh, fun. American Playhouse. The Two Ronnies. I mean, he a lot of TV. Miscellaneous TV. And most of it is um, early 2000. I was going to say, nothing wrong with that, though. But yeah. he's got 80 uh, director credits. Yeah, just, it's TV directing, in the, especially in the 80s and 90s, felt like uh, it's a very workman, kind of low glamour situation. Which is a shame, because yeah. I feel like some of those things really... I think they were important, uh, but it's like, yeah, they, 
we didn't take TV seriously until we didn't, but it had a larger Sopranos. cultural effect on yeah. us than most movies did. You spent more time with it. Yeah. Minute for minute. And then written by Susan Harris, Terry Grossman, and Kathy Spear. Uh, we know Harris. Yep. Grossman also wrote for Benson and a bunch of other things that nobody's ever heard of. Great. Kathy Spear also wrote for, basically wrote with Terry Grossman because a lot of her credits are the same. Okay. Uh, Benson and then a bunch of other things that nobody really knows about, like a television show called The Mommies. I'll, I'll summarize it. Terry Grossman and Kathy Spear collaborated with Susan Harris because they worked on Benson, which was yes. something that they all worked on together as well. So, and, uh, you know, it's, you did only need one writer for the last one, but this one, uh, they did some work. So, yeah. Good for them. Synopsis. Sophia befriends an elderly man with Alzheimer's. Blanche and Rose deal with a thief helping with a charity event. Sophia faces a difficult decision about the man's care. The girls reflect on friendship and aging. Did the AI write that? Uh, yeah, so I, I actually, for the first time, I used uh, ChatGBT to, uh, <laughs> to write these. Yeah. And I actually had to argue with it because it would write about the wrong episodes. So it would be like, oh, old friends. And then it would tell me about an episode that happened like three episodes later. That's so strange. You got to get used to it, old man. <laughs> it's not there yet. You're not ready to hire an AI as your next AP clerk? No, definitely not. Why have a AI when you can just have a bunch of six-year-old ladies? Yeah, we got the Golden Girls. <laughs> uh, all right, so this is this is a good episode, right? We would normally say at the end, "This is a great episode." Yeah. This puts in work. This is heavy and light at the same time. Like, there's a lot of complexity here, and it made me feel emotional by the end. I think the best way to deal with episodes like this is to deal with is to just go a B plot and then a plot. Yeah, let's do it. Right. So the B plot is Blanche is getting ready for some sort of charity swap meet. Swap meet. And there's some little redhead girl out helping her and a sunshine girl. She's like a Girl Scout. She's a, a sunshine cadet. I That's I have it. a note that I, I love that Girl Scouts and Cub Scouts and Boy Scouts are so protective of their IP that like like the big game, you can't mention that it's a Super Bowl party that you're about to have. You got you got to say like oh it's it's the it's the junior woodchucks you're the you're one of the adventure league yeah there are no cold opens in the golden girls yeah it's true it starts with the uh, theme song and then just goes right to it yep and the uh, the sunshine cadet uh, they send her into Rose's room right is that her name yeah she finds the teddy bear yeah. the sunshine cadet is played by Jenny Lewis yeah oh Jenny Lewis I knew she looked yep. familiar from the Wiz. I'm killing myself in the edit here, but I actually mean The Wizard with Fred Savage. Although I'd love to see Fred Savage's The Wiz. And from uh, Rilo Kylie? Yeah, Rilo Kylie. There you go. That's you a, So first. Rilo Kylie is a band that, if you're not familiar with it, also had the second new guy from Salute Your Shorts. Yeah. Uh, Blake Sennett. He was in Boy Meets World as one of the bullies, and he was in Salute Your Shorts as... Uh, Ronnie Pinsky. He played Ronnie Pinsky in Salute Your Shorts. Oh, okay, okay. The last thing I can remember Jenny Lewis in was the A Very Murray Christmas. She oh, plays yeah. a waitress and sings some songs. You remember The Wiz? That's sense. the weird Nintendo movie, Nintendo-adjacent movie starring uh, Fred Savage. I As... do sort of, but not really. Yeah. It's not good, but it's... But yeah, interesting. I'm glad, that's, I'm glad to see that 
a real person, and I'm glad I knew who that was. <laughs> I'm glad I brought her up. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. And then so they send her into Rose's room to grab a couple things, and she grabs a couple things, including a teddy bear uh, that apparently wasn't in the pile. But Blanche says, you can keep the teddy bear if you love it so much. But it turns out Fernando. My teddy bear Fernando is missing. Yep. Which kicks off the whole, uh, it turns out that the Sunshine Cadet Girl is a bad kid. A terrible kid. Apparently Rose had Fernando when she was six, since she was six years old. But the Sunshine Cadet uh, basically uh, extorts this bear Mm -hmm. for money, cuts off its ear, mails it to them. (laughs) She mails the ear to Uh, them, which is funny. That's a good joke. That is a good joke. They just keep going back and forth like she's just a terrible, terrible person. At one point, Dorothy threatens her, uh, call her parents and send her to the the bad girl's school and they'll they'll pick her up and put a sack on her head. And, and... she won't be able to play jump rope anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah. it, it's, a, it's a great out of touch old person rant. But I will. I, I did want to note that uh, that she has a line about where she's trying to establish her bad girl cred. She says she was catching a smoke in the boys, John. Yes. And I was like, what kind of lingo is that? Uh, this is not <laughs> the way that a young person, like even regionally, would speak. This is this is a 50-year-old person writing dialogue for a child. <laughs> uh, she generally wasn't bad, but it's like that, that line just felt wrong. Oh, man. Uh, it was wrong because, I mean, yeah, that's like from right out of the 50s or 60s move to take the teddy bear back she pulls out the squirt gun full of red ink says yep. i'll ruin it it is it's a good devious like a one-off devious character i think we're getting scammed by a kindergarten <laughs> oh it's great and the way that rose gets her bear back is fantastic yeah. so she uh rose just says like sometimes you get dealt a bad hand and and she's like so i'm, I'm just gonna leave the bear with you sometimes you just gotta take the loss and just move on <laughs> and then she just pushes her out the door and keeps hold of the bear and smiles and hugs it and she monologues yeah. her and and makes her think she's won and then she reverses and she's very pleased to have done so. And then our main, tell me about the main. Yeah. A-bot. So at the beginning they do the the whole thing with the swap meet and um Sophia's going to the boardwalk and she gets a ride from her daughter who's going to the swap meet and that's how it goes. She goes to the boardwalk and she meets a um a gentleman sitting on the bench already and i here's another one where i don't know i wrote the whole thing out yeah. <laughs> because i love the exchange i'd love to meet someone who just offered me half a sandwich after we argued a bit <laughs> it's just so that that scene is so well done she's yeah. like is anybody sitting here i'm reading it and we'll cut it i don't care and then they have that little interaction and he's um says dynamite to her and she goes wait are you black <laughs> yeah Someone sitting here? Cataracts or glaucoma. I can see there's no one sitting here. I was just being polite. If you say so. Me, I've got both cataracts and glaucoma. The glaucoma I handle with drops. For the cataracts, I had surgery. They use laser beams on me. Zap, zap, just like that. No more cataracts. Dynamite. You black? <laughs> laser beams, huh? Give me a break, you old geezer. The sun's reflecting off the sand. It's funny. It, it's easy to watch the show and see Sophia as a joke character that just says something hilariously old country or hilariously out of touch. And she's doing that here. But then she's like, yeah, I, I kind of know what's going on. Yeah. She drops the facade and that's like, that's the humor and the 
uh, obtuseness is her way of dealing with aging and death. It is. And I have, I actually, I said this to Steph. I was like, the, pretty much the hierarchy in this is it's Sophia thinks they're all idiots. Mm-hmm. And then um, it goes to Dorothy, who thinks Blanche and Rose, Rose are, idiots. are idiots. And then it goes down to Blanche, who just mm-hmm. thinks Rose is an idiot. Mm-hmm. And then Rose is happy. Yeah. And Rose is just happy and positive. It literally, it it's like the perfectly built, like, pyramid. It, it They're the, the legs of the table. And if one of them is gone, it does not work. Yeah. Yeah, the famously legged pyramids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I I, I combined <laughs> oh, two <yes>. terrible things together. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. We get the montage kind of of them hanging out. I wrote down that gentleman just peed in the ocean. Oh yeah. Where they're looking out and they say they're oh, I see his face. I see his face. That gentleman just peed in the ocean. They're delighted. And then that's where she asks about his wife and then he gets confused. Yeah. Uh and then there's another interaction where he gets angry because she's sitting on his side of the bench. And then there's the next interaction where he brings her a soda and acts like nothing happened. They didn't get in a And fight. they hold hands just yeah. sitting there. like. And then that's where Dorothy, who had followed Sophia that day, ends up her, talking his to daughter. his daughter. Where yeah. they find out that he's got Alzheimer's and it's not going well. I mean, it's built from the beginning because when she sits on the bench, uh, he's got that name tag. And he's like, yeah, I yeah. work at this... Um, <laughs> old folks home essentially that is a good um, and he says too, every the, sunday from noon to one noon to one <laughs> man when my grandma was losing it uh they to keep them busy give them jobs uh-huh and so they were having her like set the table and she was so excited to do it because i'm so bored and then we get there at one point and she's like they've enslaved me <laughs> <laughs> that's so hard yeah which um i mean we can get more into the episode but estelle she passed away due to Louis body dementia. Um, oh, yeah. So she essentially passed due to, um, you know, I read somewhere that apparently she was terrified of death. And I so... read that too, but you know what? It's in the, the episode of, um, the backdoor pilot. She makes, um, a half-assed joke about sort of dying and yeah. I, that kind of fell apart for me. Yeah. Okay. So I wasn't really sure how true that was. Yeah. Maybe they just avoided it. It's possible. Uh, and then... She's right making that scarf for him. Dorothy sits her down and says... And she doesn't even, like, say it all the way. She just says, I want to talk to you about him. And then she... And then... So he's just like, yeah, I kind of knew. I knew something was not right there. I knew he wasn't okay. And then we flash forward, and she's sitting on the bench alone. And Dorothy comes up and says, I don't think he's coming back. Because he got sent up to New York where they can care for him better. Mm-hmm. And then... uh she says, I'll mail him the scarf. Yeah, because uh, Dorothy asked if she would yeah. want to find him. And she's like, no, yeah. I'll just mail it to him. Um, and then some strange sailor man, some Ernest Hemingway type, comes correct. up and, and jauntily uh, like leans on the bench and smokes his pipe. And she's in, in where Alvin would normally sit. And she says, that's he's taken. And, and I was they, just like, it, that pipe man, uh, strong choices. He, he gets up too. If this yeah. is Florida today, that yeah. man would just flip That's him true. off and maybe shoot him. That's true, man. Uh, I do appreciate the set design because Whole having day, been to this, a couple, this show had money. Oh well, it, I was going to say the boat painting backdrop of the boardwalk is a little tough. That's what that's something you probably wouldn't have noticed before the HD re-release, but it's not bad. No, but all of this, they literally built that entire boardwalk set. Yeah, it's a great, and set. it all looks good except for the backdrop. Yeah. 
And it would have looked good back then. So. Oh, yeah, it would have. I was going to say that the set design is good, but I, having been to a bunch of old ladies' houses in Florida, the wicker furniture, the pink carpet, uh, the sunroom, the way the kitchen looked, the, the glass red onions on the wall, mm-hmm. all of it accurate. That's wild. 100%. <laughs> they do dial it back from the pilot, by the way. Um, the pilot, she's got a little bit more expensive furniture. Yeah, well, she was supposed to have a cook. Yes, that a gay man character, named yeah. Coco. I think that would have. I think that's. It's a good choice to get rid of that. Oh uh, yeah, I would have ruined I don't, it. I look. Uh, rich people are bad, and I don't want to watch a TV show about them. <laughs> yeah. You can you can be you can be comfortably retired, and that's fine. You can be living on your passed away spouses, your savings together comfortably. That's great. Uh, I don't want to watch a show about Florida royalty. <laughs> no, not at all. And uh, so I'll note that's showing off the nine o'clock primetime slot of this is that Alvin talks about the dumbass driver who goes the wrong way. It's not that he catches the wrong bus. So he says the word dumbass on a 1987 family sitcom. I, that did not stand out to me at all, but yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's so true. It was kind of a big deal that the Simpsons cursed. Right. They they say like hell ass damn. So hearing something that's four or five years before hell ass damn. Stuck out to me. <laughs> but that's all I got. It's good. It's, great. it's fantastic. That episode, um, I didn't know that Golden Girls could be so serious. Because, you know, I would have watched this as a kid and not really paid attention when Steph was watching it. And it's always good to see that they hit topics. And apparently they, they you know, they covered more than just that, including yeah. you know, HIV and yeah. uh, a few other topics in there. And I appreciate this is similar to Smart Guys youth drinking episode i hate very special episodes where everything's like serious and they all take it very like way too seriously and treat it and whatever they're talking about whether it's crime police brutality hiv drugs Mm -hmm. whatever it is they're talking about they're always very like they treat it very sensitively and so i appreciated about smart guys youth drinking episode is that every time there was an opportunity for a character to act like a stereotypical special episode person they would act more like a human and this was the same kind of thing. And then it was also interlaced with the comedy you come to the show to expect. Yeah. It, Both of those well shows written. did that very successfully. It would be easier for easy for Sophia to be like, I'm old and don't get it. Yeah. Uh, but instead she's like, yeah, I kind of knew. That's um, that's Rose's thing. Yeah. Though I do, um, before we move on to the very next, uh, to the roundup, I have in both of these episodes, there's one very sexual joke. Oh, yeah. In both of them. Yeah. So in Empty Nests, let me find it real quick. If you know it, go ahead and do it while I look through my notes. Blanche says, I've been in that position before. The one we talked about, yeah. Um, Which which will pipe in. Sophia says, you've been in every position. Oh, yeah, you've been in every position. More more than than once. once. Yeah. Oh, honey, I've been in that position more than once. You've been in every position more than once. Oh, goodness, no. The goddess position. We have our problems, too. Especially when the goddess is twice the size she used to be. Then they say, also, you're fat. Uh, yes. They say you're twice the size you used to be, and then that's when she gives them a stare back. And I'm like, I'm with Blanche on this one. You're being a little cruel. 
<laughs> and then in this episode that we just talked about, our top episode, uh, old friends, uh, Sophia makes a comment about black men in the bedroom. Ah, uh, yes, the Greek myth. Yes. Yeah. There's a myth about people named Alvin? <laughs> the myth about black men in the bedroom. <laughs> Is that a Greek myth? Yeah, that's funny. You know what? Women talk about sex occasionally, it turns out. They do? Yeah. I don't know how I, I feel I thought, about that. I didn't know that, uh, but I did. I asked a trusted person, and they told me that, in fact, they do. Wow. Yeah. They're people? Hmm. Oh, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> no, I would <laughs> cut that out. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> I, can't even, I can't even say that with a straight face. <laughs> all right. All right. Let's do our roundup. Where is it streaming? Roundup, uh, streaming, Hulu, Fubo, Filio, Doodoo, Sling. So if you've got a subscription. You made up three of those words. For any of the, <laughs> if you have a subscription for any of those, you can watch them. New feelings. I've, I'll go first. Uh, this is great. I see why people like it. I like this a lot. This, this humor um, is ridiculously me. Uh, oh, yeah. I wrote, I wrote down more than once. More than once that it felt like hanging out with you. <laughs> I definitely dial it back on the podcast because I think I'm still nervous on trying to make sure that I'm enunciating and uh-huh. being present and whatnot. And maybe eventually you'll hear me be a terrible person, which usually just means Ned's a terrible person too. Yeah, and I, 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 I reflect what I'm given. <laughs> I'm a mimic. Toys. There's a bunch of toys. All you got to do, if you Google this, wildly enough, there are modern Funko Pops. Fisher Price has little people collectors. There are plushies, um, you know the normal apparel Fisher, and stuff. Fisher Price is in the. Oh my god! It's I. I don't understand. This this, <laughs> this thing's gotta fall apart. Which one are you looking at? I'm just looking at the. Um, it's just all these. It's the things you see at Target and Walmart in the electronics section. Where oh yeah, adult collectibles. And and I'm wondering who are this? Who is this for? For the adults. But none of them are, they, it's, the things are full of them and then they go into clearance. Yeah, I, that it's I like, don't is, know. Is it, is it entirely based on trying to sell things to speculators? Probably. That's my concern about all these toys is that none of them are for, we can thank I'm Star sure Wars there are people that, that buy them joyfully and they're like, look, I've got my Sophia Funko Pop. Uh, but all this stuff is this collector driven nonsense. Did you see I, the NECA so eight concerning. inch twenty centimeter toys? Yeah, that's that's the one that made me go, ugh. <laughs> I don't know. I think they look pretty good. No, they look fine, but it's it's just who has the room? Are we supposed to make a room of of vinyl figures? Uh, that I don't know. Uh, there's Golden just so there's Legos. there's there's knockoff stuff. There's real stuff. There's I, surprisingly I appreciate, I appreciate a, lot. a nice custom custom action figure. I'm seeing some of those in here. And those look way better than anything else. Yeah, do you want you want a Golden Girls Rose Chia Pet? <laughs> I hate the Funko Pops, but some characters just don't carry over to them. I would argue that most don't. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but don't let my grumpiness. Uh, but it's I I'm I'm suspicious of this whole adult focused toy thing because it's so weirdly collector adjacent. Yeah, and and kind of based on this whole like. 
it does it justify are they are they making a whole run of toys just so they can make some very rare chase figures and if you hold back two of those and make sure there's only eight others in in shipment and you sell those for ten thousand dollars a pop on ebay does that justify creating a whole line of toys it's the mcdonald's it's the mcdonald's monopoly thing is where i'm like is this all a scam is someone doing a thing (laughs) <laughs> I'm glad I, I I love mundane action figures, so I don't want to complain too much. But it's the the scale of these things is worrying to me. Additional fun fact. Oh, I got a good one for you. You go first. The first one that we talked about is that there was a spinoff called Golden Palace. Yes, I watched that first episode after Dorothy after B. Arthur quit. Look, let's see if we can keep going. So Blanche, Rose, and Sophia arrive at their newly purchased hotel and discover that it's severely understaffed. And the two other main cast members are Don Cheadle and Cheech Marin. Yep. And there's a kid in there, too. Kids aren't people. There's a heavy-hitting episode in there. I did not watch it, but I, I pulled a clip of it where they have, like, the um, uh, the rebel flag oh, yeah. in there. And they have, like, they're having an event, and Don's just not having it. And they, they, they play off of that. And, you know, like... Um, Blanche learned something essentially because right. she didn't understand before. But it, it, it's not very the fun, great quippiness of everything that uh-huh. happens in Golden Girls doesn't happen in the Golden Palace as well. Yeah, too many characters. Way too many characters. It, as I said before, in my pyramid table, bad thing. You can't have a six-legged pyramid. <laughs> Only four legs once one's missing it doesn't matter you know you can't just prop it up with a um a box it's like they always other say characters. a six-legged pyramid can't stand especially if one of the legs is a child <laughs> i'll throw my fun fact in before we get to right, the great. your next one that i read george clooney's appearance as a cop in the episode was mainly so he could keep his health insurance oh neat so he got that role which was before er but uh-huh but mainly just so he could keep his health insurance. Well, and I've got another struggling mega star. Uh, Quentin Tarantino played an Elvis impersonator at Sophia's wedding. There's a whole bunch of Elvis impersonators, and he's in the back. And it's uh, if you look up the video online, there's a couple. Find one of the higher qualities, and I think there's a Jimmy Kimmel interview where they have the best quality I've seen of it. Mm. And Quentin Tarantino talks about it. Apparently, he was just a rockabilly dude back then who just dressed like Elvis and had a pompadour. And so they kind of just like, he just kind of showed up and said, and they said, you, great, get in there. The episode was a good one, and then it was, it was popular, and then ended up on like compilation tapes. So it was, it was shown often in reruns, and then also on the compilation tapes. And those residuals made him enough money to like comfortably live while he pre-produced Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, that's what he said, that that money basically allowed him to take Reservoir Dogs into pre-production. All of his other acting gigs didn't get him any money. That's and this crazy. is the one that made him some money. Yeah, I think he him... said he made like three grand from it yeah. or something. Or 3,600. I think it was like 600 and then like 3,000. Not a ton of money, but for, Enough. for a day's work. Yeah. Not bad. And it's a fun story, too. Yeah. And it is Whether funny true to see or that not, weird but... looking man back there. Just oh, What's our rating? Okay. I gotta go yeah, do the rating. You go first. All right. Hold on. I got my number in there already, but I want you to go first. I'm getting too consistent. This is also a 13. A 13? Yep. I am basing it entirely off of just the girls themselves, and I'm, mm-hmm. I, I'm actually putting this at a 14. All right. 
I mainly because I guess this really does fit my my sense of humor. Apparently, I have a bunch of old lady make fun of each other humor. And then the last one is, is it, it nastier, nastier than Wolf Bronski? Ain't nothing nastier than Wolf Bronski. I believe it. It's no, but it's closer than I thought. Yeah, it has its moments. Yeah. They get they gross. they get there. <laughs> no, there's never any grossness, yeah. but they 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 there's a spin in there. It's grandma friendly. Yeah. What are we doing for the next episode? Those who hunt elves. It's our first anime. Japanese cartoons. Yeah, that's gonna be fun. Yeah. So bad news, Otaku's. We messed up that recording, so it's our first lost episode. We'll see how it goes. I think they come on the sci fi channel at like three in the morning. Yeah, I don't know. Well, that's that's yeah. how I watched anime uh, back in the day. Is I I got VHS bootlegs. I don't know what any of them were. They would just showed up on the Sci-Fi Channel late at night or very early on a Sunday. You can find us at www.90schmoltz.cool. Give us a rating wherever you listen, and um, we'll see you next time. Yeah, we uh, hopefully. <laughs> Goodbye. Pay attention. You're in for a treat. Oh, Ma, not another act. No, Dorothy, not just another act, the act. I've taken the classic and reworked it Sophia style. <laughs> Thanks for the Medicare. <laughs> for Blue Cross and Blue Shield. For a hip that finally healed. Remember, on prescriptions, generic is a steal. We thank you so much. Okay, what do you think now? Don't hold back. I can take the criticism. <laughs> Depressing. Awful. Stinky. <laughs> tell me about our worst episode worst episode season two episode 26 empty nests rated 6.5 directed by jay sandrick prolific sitcom director 100 episodes of the cosby show this in the tv hall of fame 100 episodes of the cosby show and 119 merely what the fuck is happening? <laughs> it's no, This is you. I'm sorry to tell you that. Yeah, okay. That's fair. I'm learning this myself. Just stop and say it again. I may still cut in when you met, when you mess it up. It's like, I think you said Thundercrats once. and that's I did. I, and that, I, that sticks with me. I love it.